Folks, if you've listened to the Herd Tell program, you've heard our friend Gabriella Hoffman, but you need to make sure you're checking out her podcast, District of Conservation. It's a podcast exploring the nuances of true conservation efforts from D.C. and beyond. From topic discussions to exclusive interviews with conservation and energy newsmakers, Gabriella keeps listeners appraised of the latest news stories while elevating important voices. Listen to the District of Conservation on Apple Podcasts or wherever podcasts are played. Ohio, ready for some quick mental health facts? Let's go. Nearly 2 million Ohioans live with a mental health condition. In the U.S., more than 50% of people will be diagnosed with a mental illness in their lifetime. Depression is a leading cause of disability worldwide. So why are some of us still stigmatizing people living with a mental health condition when we know all of this? Let's listen to the facts and beat the stigma. Ohio, challenge what you know about mental health at beatthestigma.org. With your host, Andrew Donaldson, this is Herd Tell. Uh, welcome back to Herd Tell. Okay, he's our go-to guy when we have to talk this tech stuff, especially when it comes to tech stuff, when it intersects government, when it intersects, intersects, when it intersects legalities, when it intersects the market, all this kind of fun stuff. James Ranowski, he's great at it. Great having you back, my friend. How are you, sir? I'm doing great. Thanks for having me. Uh, you're the best. Okay. It seems like we've been talking about this for the better part of the year because we've been talking about this for the better part of the year. Elon Musk is actually kind of sort of going to really for realsy this time going to buy Twitter, right? I think <laughs> it's been nothing short of a turbulent time when we look at the the progression of events that, that is Elon Musk and Twitter, right? He wanted to go and buy it. Then he got a little cold feet with the bot data. Then he tried to sue uh, to go and get that information. And then Twitter tried to force him to get into buying the company. And now that, you know, the, the chancery court trial is coming up soon and he's due for deposition to talk with Twitter lawyers. Um, you know, he's putting out this offer to go and buy uh, Twitter at the original offer that he made uh, contingent upon the company withdrawing their lawsuit to force him to buy Twitter. Uh, so it, it's been a fascinating ride to say the least, Andrew. Let's try to turn the noise down this a little bit. James Arnowski, our go-to guy. I love having him on. I'll just, I'm tired of talking about this particular story, to be honest. How much does the Chancery Court have to do with this? Because like you said, it's coming up in two weeks. Most legal folks think that the court was going to enforce a sale in some form or fashion. How much of a factor is that, especially when you look at the timing of this thing? Yeah, I think that that was certainly a factor. I, I don't know. I think the, the common question that was asked was even if the Chancery Court had said that you must go and perform your duty to honor this contract and buy Twitter, whether or not Elon would have complied with that order was certainly a question that was being raised um, because of just the sheer size. Like they've certainly done this in the past, but not to a deal of the magnitude of what Twitter would have been. Um, so I think that there was that kind of a question that was circulating in the background. But I also, part of me thinks that Elon Musk, uh, certainly, as as I think some people were aware, uh, his texts that he had exchanged with numerous people uh, became public recently. Um, and I think that, you know, it was just something that he'd rather not go and see. 
uh, go and have to come out again uh, with more. Uh, and then also just his deposition too. I don't think that he wants to be in that position. I don't think his lawyers want him to be in that position. Um, so I think that it makes sense for him. And I've always held the position that I thought that the deal was what was the best path forward for all parties, because at the end of the day, Twitter is a company that's struggling as its current form is as it is. Right. Uh, and Elon Musk is the person that's willing to do it. And you're not going to get somebody else that's willing to pay 5420 a share uh, for Twitter right now. OK, that number is important. James Janowski, this is the part of the story that almost nobody talked about. But you talked about we talked about this way back when this whole saga first started. Everybody's like, well, why in the world would Twitter want to do this? It's very simple. Money. Uh, basically, I've got some data here, brother, and you can explain this to me a little better because you're better at this stuff than I am. But if you took Twitter as a standalone company with the profit loss margin it has, with what it makes, with what it brings in, it lost $221 million in 2021. Its revenue was somewhere around $5 billion. The stock price bounced between 31 and 69. That's because of the Musk, Musk stuff. So it was all over the place. So a normal company, you would rate that company somewhere in the range of 13 to $15 billion. They're, he offered them $44 billion. That's why the company wants to push this through. They're never going to get an offer as good as this, especially for a company. It's not Facebook. It's not Meta. They're not making money hand over fist. This is the best deal they're ever going to get, probably by a factor of two or three, right? Yeah. Um, right now, if you look at at least by the the, the Dow Jones price point of Twitter versus what uh, Elon Musk offered to buy it, it's like a 20% premium uh, on the shareholder price that they want to go and offer there. And I think part of the reason why Elon made that aggressive offer is that it was a way to counter a defense that Twitter might have employed to stop him from getting the deal. Um, because they have a fiduciary responsibility to present this to shareholders. And if they're going to go and say no to the deal, they would have had to have come up with another plan for it. And I think that when Musk made the offer he did, it was in part to try to force their hand to not really be able to employ some of those strategies. Um, so I think that when we're looking at it, yeah, Twitter, you know, especially if the Musk deal fell apart and he had to go and pay all kinds of fines and fees and breakups, uh, you would not find a buyer for Twitter that was going to go and pay 40 some odd billion dollars for it. So, yeah, this was a bet. This was a great deal for Twitter, uh, obviously. And now, assuming that everything goes and, and moves forward, uh, it'll be interesting to see how this all transpires. Yeah. James Janowski joining us. All right. Everybody wants to project what's going to happen. Let's assume Elon Musk does take over the company, or at least on paper is the owner of the company. Let me play the other side of this because I'm more Elon skeptical than you are. Mm. Let me pitch it to you this way. Elon Musk, we have quite a bit of book on him publicly now. He chases shiny objects. He gets obsessed with something for periods of time, and then he moves on to some other obsession for a period of time. He's kind of taken some lumps on this. He's taken some black eyes on this. This has gone on way longer than they thought. Is part of this possible that he does take over the company, but he also kind of loses interest in it and it and it's going to hurt financially because he's paying a lot of money for it. He's you know, he hears stuff like this. Is there a possibility that he does buy this, but ends up staying rather hands off with it for the foreseeable future? And there may not be a huge amount of change, at least notable change anytime soon. 
Yeah, I, I think... Save big money at Menards. Let the fresh air in and keep the bugs out with a replacement screen for your doors and windows from AdForce. It's easy to install, durable against the elements, and comes in a variety of types to suit your needs. Repair your screens today with a roll of replacement screen on sale through May 5th. And check out more great deals happening now in our weekly flyer on Menards.com. Save big money at that this is actually where we have a little bit more agreement than than you might realize because i don't want elon being very hands-on on twitter because he's already running starlink he's already running tesla the man is running like a chicken without his head on uh trying to go and, and manage all this and adding on twitter on top of that which are, which is in a radically different vector of business types uh i think that that would not be great for twitter Tesla or Starlink. And I think for Elon, the best strategy moving forward, and it remains to be seen that this is what he does, but I think that he needs to identify people that, you know, he believes in his vision and that he thinks that they can go and execute on that vision that he has for the company, um, which apparently is an everything app, whatever that means. So uh, I, I think that if I were if I were in his shoes and if I'm even just an outside investor or a person that's like looking at this elsewhere, I would want to see Elon not necessarily being so directly involved. Maybe he has a, obviously a role on the board and uh, you know keeps appraised of matters that way. But I think that it's in his best interest to let other people run it uh, and try to execute his vision for this app. Yeah, James Arnowski joining us. I, I think there's a part to that because running a social media platform as big as this, it takes an army of engineers to do this. The minutia and the data sets and what it actually does, I think he's going to get bored with it. I don't think he's going to want to really get hands-on with some of that stuff. I think he probably ends up delegating some of this. Uh, one other thing towards that point, though, you were tweeting about this, and I thought your point was excellent. You were responding to Ben Collins, who's uh, MSNBC's tech reporter. A lot of people freaking out about Musk in the political and cultural sense owning Twitter. I'm more concerned about it because I think he's erratic as a business leader more than his politics. A lot of people are worried about the politics of it. You made a great point and you said everybody needs to calm down. I'm quoting you here. You are putting way too much stock in Twitter. Only about 25 percent of Americans use Twitter and a fraction of that, which would include folks like you because he's a professional reporter. Uh, as are we adjacently, we must point out, produce over 99% of all the content on the site. Twitter is not real life stop. I agree with you on this. I love Twitter. I see that there could be a potential problem because of the way Musk conducts himself. But I also understand Twitter's mostly, it's almost there's an institutional part of Twitter that drives most of Twitter that's going to react to Musk. I'm not sure Musk is really going to be able to control it. I think everybody probably does need to calm down a little bit as far as the doom and gloom, don't you? Yo, absolutely. And I've always been very consistent on this point. I think that Republicans are probably holding it up as a as a holy grail a little too much. And I think Democrats think of it as like a meteor way too much. I think that uh, Musk on Twitter is going to look different than Twitter in its current form naturally because it's a different ownership team uh, that's going to be handling things. So that's there's going to be some divergence, but I don't think it's going to be some radical departure from what we're seeing right now. I think it would be a lot closer to what Twitter is right now than it is going to be, let's say, from like a parlor, uh, which is where you start hearing some of the, the lichens getting dropped when, when he talks about this or people talking about this deal, more broadly speaking. I don't think that that's what we would see here. I think that, you know, Elon does want to allow for more discussion to be up 
more broadly speaking, but I don't necessarily think that that means that this turns into a cesspool platform. And again, to, to the point, I do think that people put too much stock into what goes on on Twitter in terms of the impact it has on elections, etc. That's just a personal feeling. I'm not sure that that's like, you know, something that can be bore out by the data, but I wouldn't be surprised, uh, you know, if, if it didn't have as much of an impact as people thought it did. Yeah. And I, first of all, I'm biased here because I love Twitter. That's my primary platform. I do everything on. That's what kind of got me into all the things we're doing, including doing this show and my writing stuff. I want it to continue kind of as it is. I also know it can't just business wise and technology wise, but I think we all need to have a little bit of faith here. And I'm, I'm, I'm an Elon skeptic, so I, I'm concerned, but I don't think we should panic it. Plus, he's going to have a lot of eyeballs on him when they have those first couple of meetings and they see what's in. Because here's the thing. When I he says, oh, well, make this happen, then he's going to get a, you know, 600 slide PowerPoint of, okay, here's all the technical stuff we need to make that happen. And then things change. That doesn't make for good copy, but that's how those things go, isn't it? You're, you do the backside of this. That's what doesn't get reported on. And that's going to be kind of a guardrail in its own fact that look, this, this is a massive platform. It's not going to change overnight, even if you wanted to. No, you're absolutely right. That's always one of the chief problems. Like it's very easy to be a critic as an armchair CEO. It's a lot different to be in charge of the ship in question here. Uh, to your point, there's a lot of technical difficulties that come with managing uh, social media companies that I don't think necessarily translate over to the other companies that he works on right now. I think that, you know, th those kinds of problems are unique. And, you know, it'll be interesting to see how he goes and tackles those issues. But to your point, uh, you know, you like Twitter as it is. I certainly don't necessarily have much issue with Twitter as it is. But my my running thing that I like to tell people about this is, you know, because some people wanted to go and say, well, Twitter was like one of the best platforms for civil uh, civil management of like, you know, hate speech, etc. And I'm like, well, you can only be who you can afford to be. And Twitter could not afford to be the company that it is right now. And that's why you're seeing the change that's going to likely come should Elon Musk uh, actually take over Twitter. So that's just the reality of the situation. You, you can really only afford to be who you can actually be, right? Yep, and I'm right where I've been. Uh, I love the SpaceX stuff. I'm skeptical of the Tesla stuff, and I'm kind of apprehensive about Twitter, but we'll see where it goes. I'll try to keep an open mind. You keep pitching Elon Musk to me, though, and I'll keep fighting back, and we'll keep having great conversation about it. James Arnowski, you're the best buddy. You've been very in demand because you're just that good. Let folks know what you've got going on, where you've been, until we get you back on Hertel again real, real soon. Yeah, yeah. I've just been traveling around doing the circuit, talking about the good the good Lord stuff of uh, tech policy and what's going on. You can follow me on Twitter at JamesCZ19. Always a pleasure talking with you, my friend, and look forward to coming on soon again. Yeah, we're going to have to dish out this uh, 230 thing because everybody's losing their mind and they don't understand that this, this Supreme Court hearing is going to be very narrowly focused to terrorism. So we're going to dig into that one with you pretty soon. James Arnowski, follow him, listen to him. He's got good stuff. Great talking to you, my friend. Great talking to you. Take care, sir. Without the ones like you, who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you, with professional-grade industrial supplies. Count on real-time product availability and fast delivery. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done.